Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This week, after nearly five years at the helm, Dr. Helene Gale is expected to step down as president and CEO of the Chicago Community Trust. That's a more than century old foundation serving the metropolitan area. Dr. Gale's done a lot in that job, as another top official will agree, and we're going to talk with both of them about the trust's mission and the future. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The Chicago Community Trust was founded in 1915, and it's only had seven CEOs. Helene Gale was the first African-American woman to take over, and this medical doctor brought new life to the trust's finances and its mission. The foundation had almost $3 billion in assets when Dr. Gale joined it in 2017. Now they have more than $4.5 billion in assets, and they're not sitting on them. We're going to talk with Dr. Gale in this half hour about what she's done and what she will do. And joining us is James Reynolds, Jr., who chairs the Chicago Community Trust's executive committee. We can talk about how the trust's focus has evolved over the past four years ago and what the future will bring. And we are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing. And I thank both of you for joining me. Um, Helene Gale, you leave a stellar record behind at month's end to go to college, I guess, in a manner of speaking, yeah. <laughs> as president of Spelman College in Atlanta. I'm not sure how many people saw that move coming. Uh, tell me what's led up to this. Yeah, well, I'm not sure how many people saw the move coming, including myself. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, my my intention when I came to Chicago uh, for, to lead the community trust was that it was likely, very likely to be my last job ever. I, I have had a long and satisfying career, and I thought this was a wonderful way to, um, you know, kind of cap it off. But, you know, as I started realizing, um, uh, first of all, that you know, we're all living longer. And, you know, and as long as we continue to have 
uh, skills and assets that we think we can make a difference that, you know, maybe in fact it, it, it made uh, sense to not necessarily think about stopping now. And, you know, when I was asked to consider um, taking the helm of what is a historic institution, you know, it really resonated with me that at this point in my life, um, where I, again, have had a long career, you know, what I am most interested in is how do I give back to the next generation? How can I um, make sure that the things that I have tried to use my life for um, get instilled in, in our next generation? And particularly, you know, to go to a school that is focused on young African-American women who want to be change makers and have an impact on the world. You know, I felt like perhaps I brought something unique to that that, um, you know, in fact, could make a difference. So wasn't in my plans. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you know, have to go where you, you, your gut leads you. Um, you know, and HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities have uh, hardly gotten the national attention they deserve. And they sure haven't gotten the resources that they need. Uh, so you're walking into a very challenging realm, are you not? Well, for sure. Um, you know, I will say one thing that is gratifying, and there was a article on the front page of the New York Times this Sunday that talked about the fact that this generation is really choosing HBCUs oftentimes over the traditional Ivy League. It uh, featured a story of a young woman who was admitted to Yale, but decided instead to go to Spelman. You know, so I think that this generation is appreciating the value of having a school that invests in them specifically. But to your point, you know, we have never uh, had the resources for HBCUs to be able to have them reach their full potential. So, you know, a role, one of the chief roles of a college or university professor is fundraiser in chief. And, I, you know, I hope to be able to raise resources so that eventually schools like Spelman um, can offer the kinds of financial assistance so nobody has to say no to an education because of financial need. Uh, Jim Reynolds, uh, tell me how you feel about losing the good doctor to a college. <laughs> well, I will tell you, Helene Gale has been an extraordinary change maker, transformative leader for the trust. Uh, when she came, I think um, the trust in its existence was really in need of a leader, uh, really in need of a clearer, more distinctive direction, and, and really in need of, of, of having a way to impact the community in and around Chicago. She did all those things. Um, <clears throat> and as I look at, at what she did and how she did it, she exceeded every expectation that we had. And I was a part of the selection committee that, that chose her in the field of very, very, very highly qualified candidates. And she exceeded every expectation we had. Now, when she called me, I think it was a Saturday morning to uh, you know, break the news to me. I think she was surprised. Well, first of all, she was absolutely sad, almost in tears with leaving the trust because I know how much she loved working at the trust and she does. She's put her heart, her soul, her passion and everything into it and it has shown. 
But when she told me what it was and where she was going, I just said, Helene, you got to go. I mean, those young ladies at that point in their life, um, having you there as a leader in that school, it's priceless. And it's impacting generations directly that we need to impact those young black women. So I was pretty excited. Wasn't entirely shocked, not because I expected Helene to leave, but Helene is an extraordinary leader and talented person. And as I said to her, and as I said to the board, as we discussed it, talented people are always gonna be sought after. Uh, and so, and, and she had been sought after many, many, many times before, but this move, um, I'm, and the board is, is absolutely with her, behind her. We're not gonna lose her. We're still going to make sure that we stay connected but what we feel about where she's going, we're thrilled. And the position that she leaves the trust in is really, really in a much better position than she inherited it. And we're in a good point to select a new leader to continue what Elaine started. Well, before we talk about the future, let's talk about uh, the present and how we got here. And there are a number of highlights that we could talk about uh, for the last uh, five years, but... I think the, probably the biggest one would have to be the 10-year plan to address the wealth gap in the Chicago right. area. Uh, tell me, how does a foundation decide, a group of people as a group say, you know what, let's help in wealth inequity across the area. I mean, that's, that's not something people just sit down and just decide, yeah, we're going to do that. Uh, how does that happen? Well, you know, it, it, it happens because you both look at the data and you listen to the people. And when we started, when I first started and, you know, clearly, as uh, Jim said, there was a desire to really think about focusing the trust in a way that could have the greatest impact. And, you know, the trust has always been there with communities, uh, you know, always been part of key uh, civic uh, developments and projects, what have you, but did not have a singular focus. And we thought that by having that singular focus, it was a way of integrating our work in a more meaningful way and having a more long-term impact. And so we spent some time, we looked at data, we talked to communities, and we recognized that if you wanted to have an impact, a long lasting impact on many of the issues that we talk about all the time, public safety and violence, um, the life expectancy gap, lack of access to quality education, or you can go on down the list, but most of those things have their roots in this wealth inequality that exists and we know that it is a that it, it has grown and existed specifically for uh, black and brown people. Uh, but you know, for all the historical reasons we know where black and brown people have been left out of the economy. You know, if we think about redlining and you know job discrimination, segregation, other other issues that trapped people from having those economic opportunities, we felt that that was an area where we could mobilize our resources, use our voice and our influence, look at what are the policies that could help to uh, have an impact, and really that that could be a long lasting um, impact on the community more broadly 
than in taking any one particular issue. And we as the staff work very closely with our, with our executive committee, our board, um, and you know, came together on what we feel is a long-term and difficult mission, but one that you know, if we can get that right and show some examples, we can make a huge difference here in the region. You know, in a region that is two thirds black and brown, you can't hold two thirds of your potential back and expect that the rest of the population is going to move forward. So we think it's good, not only for the people who have been held back, but it, it's important. It is critical uh, for the region. Uh, Jim Reynolds, if at all, how tough a sell was this uh, for the executive board? Oh, we embraced it. I mean, obviously, um my community engagement, most of the board really has uh, strong community ties. And the board was very much behind a more focused, heightened mission that really reflected the location of Chicago Community Trust, uh, meaning Chicago. Chicago is ground zero for so many things, violence, uh, segregation, racial disparities, health disparities, education disparities, criminal justice reform, all those things that really kind of grow out of that economic disparity that you see between the groups, whites, Hispanics, and blacks. And if you looked out at how we were going to impact so many things, i.e., you know, the, as I said before, the educational gap between the races, the, the, the criminal justice records and impacts between the races, the health gap between the races. You had to start with the wealth gap and economic activity and vitality. So we were there and we were significantly a part of this mission. It wasn't quite like Helene saying, okay, this is where we were going. It was the board and Helene coming together and saying, this is where the trust should go. Now let's put together a plan to do that. You know, when we look, Craig, so much at what's happening in the city and so many things, quite often we, we put the responsibility on entities that really can't get it done. You know, we, we're asking the, say, police to be policemen, social workers, uh, medical care providers, counselors, but they're police officers. And with our political leadership, we ask them to do things that, you know, they got four-year terms and they got to get reelected. So some of these things fit, some of them don't. But with a foundation, we can actually get in communities, go deep, not necessarily worrying about the ramifications from this group and that group, but really addressing what the fundamental problems are. And in Chicago, we have a lot of problems. And, and obviously, I, I hear them all and involved in a great many of them. It starts with the wealth gap. You get more money in folks' pockets, you get them working, uh, you know, and, and doing jobs where they have a future and a career. A lot of other things, a lot of issues and problems go away. And when you have that as the focus, even with that, it's still, again, a little bit like, okay, go save the world. And all right. Yeah. But which is the in which direction is the first step? I mean, you know, how do you start to work on that gap? Well, first and foremost, you know, the, the racial and ethnic wealth gap is not going to be closed by the Chicago Community Trust alone. Um, you know, we really believe strongly in partnership 
And, you know, we're working with other philanthropic partners, with the business community, uh, with the public sector and government, and, you know, our nonprofit partners in the field. So, you know, we realize that this is something that is going to be, you know, kind of all hands on deck. And I think, you know, one of the things we've tried to do is to not only use our dollars, our resources to make grants, um, but also how do we use our voice and our influence? Um, we're a public charity, so we are we different than private foundations are actually able to do advocacy and get involved in the policy arena. And we believe very firmly that policy uh, is plays a huge role in it because bad policies got us to where we are today and really thinking about what are the policies that can change to make a difference is gonna have a huge impact. So we realize this is kind of a all hands on deck. It has to be integrated. It isn't just, uh, can we get children a good education? It's not just, can we make sure that people have home ownership? It's not just, can we invest in neighborhoods? You know, it's kind of all of those things together that will really, over the long run, hopefully we can show some models about really works. And critical to that is making sure that we're engaging the communities themselves in it. Because if, you know, so often we look at the projects that have been launched in the past, you know, great society projects and, you know, other um, things that have uh, tried to address these issues, but they've left out a critical community, which is the a critical component, which is the voices of the community. And I think we're also changing the nature of our relationship with the communities that we serve so that we're inviting them in to have a voice at the table and that the solutions are solutions that they help to co-create. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about the present and the future of the Chicago Community Trust with its outgoing president, Dr. Helene Gale, and the chair of the Trust Executive Committee, James Reynolds Jr. And I want to uh, take that uh, discussion of the partnerships and working with the community uh, to another, what I think is a highlight of what the trust has done, and that was that the trust was a core player in marshalling resources to address COVID-19. Uh, that it was central, in fact, to the city of Chicago's plans. How, and this was a case where the entire community of, uh, of philanthropic uh, organizations got together with government, with the community, and how quickly did all of that have to come together and how e easy or how difficult was it to make all of those parts mesh so quickly when COVID hit and when people were saying, we've got to do something? Uh, Dr. Gale? Well, it was lightning speed, actually. You know, um, uh, I still am amazed when I think back on, you know, this germ of an idea, uh, but, it started with the Chicago Community Trust and and the um, Chicago Met, you know, um, United, the Chicago United Way Metropolitan um, Chicago United Way, and we came together and you know said we have different assets. Um, let's pull those assets together and really work hard on raising dollars and getting them out there quickly. And within 
the course of a week, we were able to start the fund, um, get it up and running and have dollars flowing to communities that were most hurt by this pandemic um, within a matter of several days. And, you know, we raised uh, over $35 million. We also helped to mount a, a similar effort at the state level that raised about $40 million. And we got money out there for people's immediate needs, food, shelter, cash to pay their bills. And I think we did it, you know, to your point, we did it in a way where, you know, as I always say, you can get anything done if you don't care who gets credit for it. And we didn't, we weren't looking for credit. United Way wasn't looking for credit. Uh, you know, the other organizations that came in, the number of thousands of people who sent in sometimes as little as $5, you know, they weren't looking to get credit, but they, they knew that their uh, neighbors were hurting and everybody joined in in this effort. And we, you know, have now launched um, kind of a follow-on, if you will, We Rise Together, really focused on how do we make sure that, you know, looking past immediate needs to what are the things that will help to spark economic growth in the communities that were most hard hit by COVID so that we don't come out of this period, this economic period, uh, like we did in 2008, 2009, where the communities that were already further behind got left uh, even further behind. So, you know, we're, we're committed to that effort as well. Another uh, kind of uh, uh, collaborative effort where everybody is digging in to make sure we can make a difference. Uh, Jim Reynolds, I want to, well, you, you were about to say something. I was going to ask, hey, how, how, what are the kinds of lessons that, uh, that may have been learned along the way as the right. uh, organizations dealt with COVID? Well, Craig, one thing I, I was about to say, and thanks very much for, for asking that. One of the unique aspects of Helene's, Helene's leadership style is being one, uh, uh, one as a uh, convener. It is very challenging to get the foundations to work together, uh, to get other large buckets of money actually to follow a, a leading organization. Chicago Community Trust has been able to do that under Helene Gale's leadership. So we were able to kind of sort of start this effort, involve the other organizations, involve regular citizens, bringing money together and putting it forward. She said something that I think is uniquely uh, an aspect of, of her style, and that is not caring where the credit goes. One of the biggest challenges that we have seen in Chicago, and I've said it very often, is sort of the siloed nature of foundations and their giving. You know, two foundations could be giving to the same community for similar things, and they will never talk to each other. And they could be involved in the same block and so now though we find, and what Helene has discovered, and we all discovered, is the power of working together. She talked about COVID, but she also mentioned the next big effort that she's launched, and we're gonna carry forth, and that is we rise together to continue this work. And this is a massive, massive uh, plan in terms with some very lofty goals to raise $250 million some that's never ever even been attempted to be raised to, a, to address this issue in Chicago, Chicago very uniquely, Craig, 
And when you look at what, what we can do, and I think where she's left the trust now in a position of actually being trusted by the other foundations to deliver, having a style, having metrics, have them relationships to actually go in and, and change some aspects of this city with a focused direction and, and, and a entity that folks can trust. You know, we are very excited to continue to move this effort along from COVID to beyond. And I'll just, I'll just sort of say this, when we look at what's happening in the city now, it's not lost on us or anybody else, is that the hopeless nature of our youth, particularly black youth, they stand out. Uh, you know, some of the crimes, some of the activities and some of the things can only be explained by, you know, a hopelessness that says the future just isn't going to be bright for me. So I'm just going to do these. I'm going to steal a car that I don't even need. I'm going to commit a crime that absolutely is meaningless, worthless, but can change and damage my entire life because what's happened up till now has not been great. And I don't think my future is going to be great. So I'm going to do it. So when we look at, you know, what we really want to change and the things we really want to do, we want to reach those folks and make sure that we change the trajectory of how they're thinking about themselves, their lives, the opportunities. So it's a massive amount of work we got to do. We're excited about doing it. And yeah, the, the, it's a garg it seems a gargantuan task. I, you know, how many stories have we heard or written about people who either committed these crimes or were victims who yeah. did not think they were going to live to see 30 years old. Some of them hoping 25. that they could. Yes. And, and that is, uh, that's something that I don't think we've seen to this extent before. And I'm, I'm not sure how you address it. How, how can it be addressed? Well, Craig, I'll say this, and I know Helene's got a, you know, I'm from Inglewood. And, um, and I've been in Chicago my entire life, even during the heightened gang uh, activities where, you know, murders were even higher than they are now. Gangs shooting each other over territory, over drugs, over activity. I've never seen a hopelessness like this, ever. I've never seen young people as detached from even their older counterparts that are also Black. And I've never seen them detached from the economic activity that's going on around them, the educational activity that's going on around them, that they're just doing things that show, as you said, many do not expect to live past 25. So we've got to get in there and we've got to get in there pretty deep, which is why we're raising so much money. And that money is going to go side by side with other monies from the city, from the state, from the federal government to start addressing this with young people in the schools they come from, in the families where they are, really making investments in communities where they live. As I said, Craig, we rely on the police for so many things, but by the time you call the police and they come there, it's not a good situation. They're not, they're not the ones you wanna be calling, you know, when you just wanna kind of, when a, when a person needs help. And so we really wanna get in uh, impact these lives, take these young people out of the situations that they're in and make them and help them realize there's a better real world out here. You don't have to do these things because you think the future is going to be so dismal. Even when I talk, Craig, to other African-Americans like myself that are from here, we have never seen, and I know you have never seen, this sort of just hopelessness in our young people. And it's a focus. 
and, and we're going to stay addressed, uh, uh, focused on addressing it. Dr. Gale, I want to hear your thoughts on this, too. I know it's got to strike deep with you. Well, I, you know, I guess I would just add, uh, again, I think this notion of giving people hope is part of what we're trying to do. You know, if you live in a neighborhood full of vacant lots, um, homes that are not well cared for, uh, no place to do your grocery shopping, uh, no place to take your children to to play. You know, you you start getting dispirited if you weren't already. You know, I think those are the kinds of things that are within our reach. You know, we can rebuild our neighborhoods. You know, we can make sure that people have basic necessities. We can make sure that people have jobs. And I think if you start looking at the thing, the practical things that people want in their lives that tell them, um, that send the message to them that my life is worth living, that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to give people that sense of hope, the sense that their life matters, that somebody sees them, um, that somebody believes in them. And I think all of those things are the kinds of things that, you know, we're trying to do, often it's the physical manifestation, we're investing in disinvested communities along with the government. You know, we're helping people who are small business owners to be able to uh, grow their businesses and grow their revenue. We're helping people who are renters to become homeowners. You know, we're looking at all of these sorts of things that we think, you know, uh, these tangible things that are a way of telling a people who have been told for so long that you don't matter, telling them that, that in fact they do matter. And those things, the tangible as well as the intangibles are the ways in which I think we can turn this around. Dr. Gale, there's, there's no finer final word uh, that we could have for this program. Uh, and there's so much more I wish we had time to talk about. Uh, but thank you, thank you for your work. And, uh, and Jim Reynolds, you know, you and I will be in touch. We are gonna, oh, yeah. I want to thank uh, both Helene Gale and Jim Reynolds of the Chicago Community Trust for spending this time with us. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.